Welcome now to Access Utah. My guest for the hour is Hertha Saunders, uh, who's the author of a fascinating uh, new book, Memory's Last Breath, Field Notes on My Dementia. And here's what she writes at the beginning of the book. When I was diagnosed with early onset dementia just before my 61st birthday in 2010, I kept my hurt, anger, fear, and doubts under wraps. I had no choice. I had a job, a husband, children, grandchildren, friends. I had a life. However, there's nothing like a death sentence, in my case, the premature death of my mind, to provoke questions about life. What actually is memory, personality, identity? What is self? And will I still be, have a self when my reason is gone? For me, the place to work out such questions has always been in writing. From that place of self-reckoning then came this book. So, Gerda Saunders, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for inviting me, Tom. Uh, so uh, this began, I understand, with uh, you, you had an early retirement necessitated by, by this uh, your diagnosis, and uh, your your friends, your colleagues gave you a, a journal, was it? And then you started writing. That's correct. Um, when uh, we had my retirement party, um, at uh, the I was used to teach at the University of Utah in the Gender Studies program, and so the Gender Studies faculty gave me a a goodbye uh, acknowledgement party, and um, they they gave me a a lovely leather-bound um, blank book of the kind that people use for journals. And I I've never been a journal writer. Uh, I, I think that a journal uh, requires that you you really introspect uh, on things that happen. But for me, that that journal became just more like a a science notebook, and um, where I would just write down observations and events that happened. And um, since I have uh, I've written before, and thought that I would write more after retirement, I thought that this could be I would save up these recollections and observations. For in case I later might be able to expand more more on them and put more of my personal thoughts and feelings and so on into the narrative, but the journal is just really mainly observation. Mm. And as you write in the book, no whining, wailing, or gnashing of teeth, just the facts. Were, were you able to do that? I, I I don't know whether I'd be able to do that. I'd I'd, <laughs> I'd probably be whining, wailing, gnashing of teeth. Um, I think. I was fortunate to be born with a calm personality, um, and also I grew up in an era, I grew up in South Africa, um, I was born in 1949, so uh, I, I think it, it was, at those time in the United States as well, a little bit more of a time of children are seen and not heard, but in South Africa it was... It, it was a, the whole culture was a little bit like that, uh, and and so um, I learned from early on um, to repress, and I use repress here in a very good way because I think that um, that keeping some of your deepest feelings um, and difficulties inside and dealing them at, at, with them at some time. Um, is preferable to living in the the angst of those feelings um, 
that get away uh, in everything else. It, it gets in the way of everything else that you want to do in life. And that is the way in which I thought of um, my notebook, that I, I really, I, I knew that, that there would be a time, and there was time, like in my in discussions with my family and so on, there, there was some, uh, some crying and so on, but there never was in our family a sense of why me. It's just not how um, in my family with my parents and how me and my husband and how we raised our children, it was not a question of why me or wailing. It was, so this has happened to us. Uh, what can we think of some good steps to go forward? And for me, the journal was my first step in going forward. And then starting to write the book was a further step in which I really could think about and philosophize and so on about what was happening with me. Uh, was there was there a moment, or was it just a series of events, when you went from thinking, "Okay, my memory lapses, the problems I'm having are you know normal. A lot of people have these too." Okay, now I better go see a doctor. I think that for most people with dementia, it happens for years before. Um, before the person themselves or other people really can see there's something off. Um, for me still now, some people who only see me for you know a short period, for example, like in this interview or in a one-on-one conversation, if I'm, I'm doing it and I'm doing it with, with a per, one person um, and I only have that to do, then I still sound and feel capable of, of you know, functioning in that situation. Um, the trouble is when you're trying to live more broadly in the world at the same time. And that, of course, was before I was retired and before I was diagnosed, things just became more and more difficult for me. Uh, my job was very demanding. I... I um, taught in the gender studies program. I taught English and um, gender studies. And I was also um, the associate director, so I had an administrative part of my job too. And I it, I just found it harder and harder to manage everything. Um, and in my teaching, I actually, I asked my director, Catherine Stockton, to be relieved of some of my teaching duties, uh, you know, because the administrative job was getting bigger. Um, and so I thought at least three or four years before I would, I used to teach three, three classes a year. Um, then it went, she let me go down to two classes. And in the end, one class and the last year I did not teach at all. And that is a very great accommodation because it's, it's a, it was a small program and so on, but she did that because I I could not teach anymore. I would prepare abundantly and I would have outlines and I would have a whole, I would really just about have a script. And yet in class, in, in going through my script, I would get so confused, I would lose my place in my own script. And I did not realize it in the beginning, but... Later on, it became obvious that students were noticing. Um, 
I stumbled so much and must have seemed so agitated that a student once offered to go get me a drink of water. So these things happened quite a bit. Uh, um, I could even say more than a year before I was before I even sought medical med- a medical diagnosis. So once you went in to, to see the doctor, then uh, a, a diagnosis, or at least a potential diagnosis of of, uh, of dementia. In fact, you write that the doctor presented it in a kind of an interesting way. Used used dementia as a verb. Yes, that's right. Uh, my no nonsense doctor said, and this is my neuro my, uh, neurologist, um, and she said that it seems you are already dementing. And I think she said that on the basis of um, talking with me, but also on the basis of my MRI, because my MRI showed uh, lesions uh, in my frontal lobe, uh, you know, that are visible as little spots on the MRI. Uh, And that is visible in that way um, and early on because my dementia stems from microvascular disease. Um, so she was able to say that that was before I even had the neuropsychological tests um, that would, you know, determine in a clinical definition of my memory loss. Mm. Um, but I know you. I wanted to answer something else that you asked. Um, um, I, I, oh, something about my diagnosis. Yeah. yeah, Sorry, yeah, yeah yes. Yes. Uh, no problem. Um, so, well, let me just ask this. I uh, go to the next question because I think you answered the the previous question uh, uh, very well. Um, this question of do we want a diagnosis or not? You you write about your mother. Your mother suffered from yes. from dementia, and the family didn't really get a diagnosis. No, um, I think too there are specific circumstances to my mother's dementia. First of all, she lived in South Africa, and um, she started with dementia symptoms. Okay, she she died ten years ago, and ten years before her death, obvious symptoms of brain malfunction, um, you know, were happening. Uh, so, but she was being cared for. She had a huge breakdown, in which she really was just, you know, if you, if you know the or read the 19th century fiction and novels, there's always somewhere there's a mad woman in the attic. And my mother was, you know, that was the image. She was really she was pouring water on the floor and and pouring water over herself, saying she does that to bring down her temperature, and then she was watering imaginary plants all over. So that kind of uh, unmistakable sense that something big is wrong. Um, So that was 20 years ago. Before that, there were signs of, you know, forgetting and now and then doing something odd, but nothing like that. So she was... uh, um, as it still really mostly happens in South Africa today, she was treated based on the symptoms. And and I think in societies not as willing to spend medical money on something that really doesn't have, cannot have uh, positive results or make a difference, um, society like in South Africa, people uh, treat people with, just it's like okay, it's old age. You you have memory loss in old age, and people get like that. 
and we care for them. We see what they need and we care for them. So she was cared for in that way. But my one brother, who uh, practiced as a doctor at the time, um, he well, he's still a doctor, but he does other work um, now. But um, he he was the first person who had dementia, uh, age-related dementia. But 20 years ago, I, there really was nothing. There was no diagnosis. I mean, I. I think there was something starting up MRI technology, but it was not the kind of thing you give to everybody who's had a concussion or so. It was a rarely used diagnostic device. Uh, so my mother did not have any of those uh, interventions. But for me, of course, the, the environment and the whole atmosphere about uh, mental illness and brain disorders is very different now than 20 years before, even in the United States, I think. And so I, I really have to say that the main reason for me for seeking a diagnosis was just curiosity. And um, as I said, I called my um, my book, um, my journal, Field Notes on Dementia, and that's sort of a, like a almost like a self, a little joke on myself, and my reference to my um, really small number of years that I spent um, as a scientist and teaching science. And so I had scientific training. I did my bachelor's degree in uh, chemistry and math with a minor of physics. So I had that method in my head. And so it's just a little nod to that and also a little bit of a pretension to call my book Field Notes on Dementia. But in any case, that same scientific notion that it's a good thing to know the measurable things about a phenomenon uh, if they can be measured. And so that is really, I think, my main reason for diagnosis. But it's also because when you lose your memory or when you... I used to be this very capable person who could just do everything at once and have my career and be a mother and, you know, just have friends and have people over to meals. And I just didn't do that anymore. Then you feel your sense of self eroding. And for me, the diagnosis would be, if it was something that could be measured on an image or so, then it lets me off the hook in a way. It's not you know, that I've undergone a character change and I now just am lazy or not trying hard enough. Um, it was for me something that would uh, would also, in, in today's case, there might be a possible treatment. Mm. But as it turns out, my dementia, which is about microvascular dementia, um, it little blood clots... Uh, in my brain, prevent remaining, you know, areas around it from getting oxygen and then that the cells die. And there's nothing that can that can heal that. Um, at most, there's an idea that if, it, if I know I take the medication for high um, blood pressure and for high cholesterol, even though I don't have either of the two, because that is thought to 
retard the formation of those lesions. So, but as I went for a diagnosis, the notion of maybe there would be a medication that was also on my mind, mm. um, and and that really was was my husband and I spoke about it a lot. We spoke to our children about it before I went for the diagnosis because we're also afraid of getting into a medical situation where suddenly you have, don't have control over anything anymore. And so we decided to be very careful in talking about each step of what's going to happen next and see if that's what we want to do. Mm. So, so that's how the diagnosis happened. But just to tell you one more thing, after the diagnosis, um, we found out that once you have any kind of memory test or MRI brain scanning or anything uh, related to your brain uh, at, at this age that I'm in, in your post-retirement age uh, or 60-something, you will never, ever qualify for long-term care insurance because the fact that you're having these tests is a very strong indication that you probably have some memory issue. So we were not able to get long-term care insurance for me. So I just want your, your audience to know that if you're thinking about a diagnosis, make sure you know the reasons why you want it. And if you think and if you can afford long-term care insurance, inquire about it first and establish that because I think that it's harder to cancel that than it is, you know, to get it once you've had the test. Hmm. Well, wow, that's yeah, yeah, that's a that's a hole in the in the medical system. We know there are many many holes, of course. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder about so the the field notes you're setting out to be you know somewhat dispassionate, uh, kind of a scientific uh, eye. I can um, I just can imagine what my feelings would be at a diagnosis like this. This is essentially. Um, you know, a death sentence, as you write, and a premature death of your mind. Do you know it's going to be coming, you know, slow or fast? Uh, I can imagine I would have, I don't know, panic, anger, fear. What What were your feelings? I, I truly can say that I did not, I did not have them. Um, there were moments. There were moments when I cried, and especially, you know, as you tell other people, uh, you know, their their empathy and their understanding of what's happening brings those emotions to the fore. But for me, I I did work through those emotions, and I did cry, um, and so on when I wrote my book, because you, you, you think of how you feel and so on. But I really did not have the fear in me was, it was more a fear of not knowing. For me, once I knew, it really took the fear away from me um, because my kind of dementia is, uh, like, like Alzheimer's as well, there's a pretty steady progression that you know so that you, can, you know that you have, don't have a lot of good brain time left. And for me, the logical response to that is not to wail about the brain time you're not going to have, but to use the brain time that you do have. So it puts an urgency on living in the present and 
you know, wanting to do the things that I know in five years I won't be able to do. And that's how it was for me from the beginning. And also the notion of anger, because it happened to me, it's, it's really, um, it's it's kind of a, I, I can't think of the word now, um, um, it's, it's arrogant, because, you know, my very close friend um, just had a five-year-old grandson die. Uh, other people, you know, lose their marriage or, uh, you know, go through something like that. And these things happen to people, I won't say randomly, but but in ways that's not connected to how good a life they're living. And so for me, I don't, I think of, of I, I don't have a religion, so I think of things that happen in the world more on a cosmic scale. And on a cosmic scale, our universe is random. Uh, of course, human beings come into this universe with their brain and can make things happen unrandomly. But there's a huge, vast uh, firmament and uh, universe up to the, the ends of the universe where we don't have that control. And some of that non-control uh, pushes into human life. So for me, that it would happen to me, you know, is not, it's not that someone picked me out or anything. I mean, I had it in my genes, apparently, because my mother had it. So, you know, why would it be so surprising that I get it? Hmm. And also, I happen to have had very good mileage with my brain in my life. I was born with with a brain that functioned well. I was able to uh, use my brain function to achieve many goals. And... And I have been so privileged. I mean, I have achieved more than than people who work much harder than me under much more difficult circumstances. So if now something happens to me, it, it really would be arrogant to be angry about it. Let's take a break, and we'll come back more with Herda Saunders, uh, who is author of a, a new book, a very important new book called Memory's Last Breath, Field Notes on My Dementia. More following this break.